0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Hey, happy spring, Schweitzer. Yeah, I'm David Freeman. I'm your outreach director. You're the congregation. We're going to study God's word together and uh, go home pumped up, hopefully. Here we go. So uh, the pastor sat down to determine the series, and I got all excited because I wanted to preach the sixth sermon in the series. And I got frustrated because I can't be here that day. You know, so it's only appropriate. I get to preach the third sermon in the series on frustration, right? We've talked about dead ends. We've talked about anger. Now we're going to talk about frustration. Frankly, uh, In 2011, I would have got up and preached this sermon with with just carefree confidence. Uh, That was before 2012 through 2016, and I've kind of winced a little bit preparing this sermon, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to kind of define what frustration is, give some illustrations of it. And then we will uh, talk about the foundation of frustration, like microphones, you know. And uh, (laughs) then we're going to talk, hey, if it happens, it's just a good illustration for the whole service, right? And then we're going to talk about, (laughs) that's perfect timing. (laughs) Then we're going to dig into scripture, and we're going to hear from King David some kind of thoughts, foundational thoughts for dealing with those foundational challenges. And then we're going to dive in and practice scripture with Paul. You ready? So, my wife and I, when we worked at Discovery Ministries, we would switch out between the office and home, taking care of the kids or working in the office. And we both agreed, whoever got to go to the office had the easy job, right? So, if you've ever stayed at home with a toddler, you know, well, hold on, let's define frustration. First definition, the feeling of being upset or annoyed especially because of an inability to change or achieve something. So for the rest of this sermon, I'm going to call that frustration. All right? There's a second definition of frustration. It's also a noun. The prevention of the progress or success or fulfillment of something. For the rest of this sermon, I'm going to call that a thwarting event. A toddler is a thwarting event. All right? And you throw more than one toddler in the room and you've got the perfect storm. I mean, you go home, you try to get anything done. Read a book, watch TV, okay, the stuff you should get done. You know, doing the dishes, cook the meal, the vacuum. Any one of those. Try to get any one thing done and keep a toddler happy. It, yeah. Now, from the other perspective, from the toddler's perspective, there's so much science to do in a day. Everything that is new needs the taste test. It needs the drool test. It needs the drop test. It needs the flex test and even the throw test. And how is a person supposed to get all these experiments done when the dominant adult in the room keeps coming with a sour face and throwing one word your direction? Yeah, I mean, it's so frustrating. You know, a dominant adult in a room with a toddler, the dominant adult is also a thwarting event for the toddler. You've got two or more beings in the same space trying to do mutually exclusive goals, and that is frustrating, right? Well, there are other frustrating events in life, so uh, here are a few. Depending on the research you read, 75% to 95% of business startups go out of business within the first five years. Oh, I, I won't ask for a show of hands. Uh, how about this story that one of my friends told me? You know, I felt like God called me to go into prison chaplaincy. My wife confirmed the call. The elders in the church confirmed the call. I mean, it was obviously from God. So I went to school to become a prison chaplain. And I I had this great deal with the state prison. They were going to accept me. I mean, a week after graduation, I had a job. And we came up to graduation. One day before graduation, the state declared a hiring freeze. That was years ago. I've been a cook since then. Uh, I, I, another friend told me some days driving to work, I pull my truck over to the side of the road and I pound on the steering wheel and scream at the top of my lungs just because I can barely stand to go to work. But, but I need to go anyway. Uh, you know, throw in a great illness, some constant body pain. I mean, that's, that's just, oh, it frustrates so many things. I don't know about you, when one of those things happens to me, I start going into figure-it-out mode. I mean, there's got to be something I can do to fix this, right? Uh, so I, I start digging into what is the cause of this thwarting event. And I've got a few foundation, a few, few things. So sometimes I cause my own thwarting events bad habits, whatever my addictions are, uh, you know, making as good of decisions that I can, but they're just not quite good enough. And, and that's bad enough, but uh, other people cause thwarting events, you know, two-year-olds and dominant adults, but also coworkers, other family members, inept political leaders. I mean, economic, worldwide, global economy sets out ripple waves, and they just hit me. Oh, man, there's uh, natural disasters. Two Sundays in a row with ice. That's a thwarting event, right? By the way, you can catch those sermons online if you missed them. The, uh, and then there's, you know, I've read Job. Satan seems to be able to cause thwarting events in our life. And as, as Jay Kotchkiss and I were preparing this sermon together, he kind of did some good research and realized, you know, most of the time when the word frustrate appears in the Bible, it's God thwarting the efforts of men. Ooh. I, I'm tempted. I, I, I sometimes go in circles trying to figure out what the source of the frustration is so I can fix it. I've kind of come to the conclusion, good luck trying to figure that out. However, regardless of the source, the foundational challenge is the same, I think, which also makes it so that the foundational... Solution is the same, right? Here's a, okay, this might not be the foundation of frustration given a thwarting event, but I think it's pretty close to the big one. I want control. I want to figure out what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and that's what I want to happen. Am I the only one? I mean, that's, that's it, you know? Uh, So here's how scripture kind of talks to us about what I, 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 I want. Thwarting events are opportunities to take advantage of a call from God to reshape and fine tune our understanding of reality so that we thrive and live an effective life in the middle of all the challenge. I've kind of. Boy, you know, in large part, due to a lot of the great teaching and classes and training in this church, I've had several moments, maybe even days, the past few years of having calm, regardless of what's happening. That's a wonderful thing. I mean, Scripture works. It comes true. And I've noticed in my life that when I'm focused on loving God and loving people, thwarting events are kind of minor, regardless of how big they are. Because really, when it comes down to it, how do you keep somebody from loving God and loving people? Yeah, I, okay, I've read the World War II concentration camp stories, a lot of them. Yes, people can force you to do things physically, but you always control your attitude. I've come personally to view frustration as kind of a, a measure of how much I'm loving God versus how much I'm doing what 1 John 2.16 calls pursuing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Well, let's kind of turn to King David, Psalm 33, and get some great perspective here. Psalm 33, 4 through 5. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness, and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of God. You know, there's nothing like a good thwarting event to bring that philosophical triangle pounding into my mind. If God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, how come evil exists? I just, I don't know why. If, if, if I get thwarted, I just tend to go there. And, and King David directly hits my desire to go there and floods me with truth and reality that combats that frustration. Now, am I the only one who tends to get, want to figure out and, and, and get frustrated with, God, why don't you just fix this? You know, what have I done wrong? What are you waiting for? Well, we have to hear this from David. I think King David was reminding himself because we need to remind ourselves. The earth is full of the steadfast love of God. His unfathomable and unquenchable love for us. God is for us. He is. we got to remind ourselves of that. Uh, my Bible in two, from 2012, I, I actually went to Colette's grandfather when he was on his deathbed and said, he said, how's life going? And I said, well, I've got Psalm 27, 13 through 14 memorized, not from trying. He said, yep. I've been there. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while I'm alive. Wait for the Lord. (laughs) Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes. Wait for the Lord. It's easy to say. You know, even when God causes thwarting events in our lives, oftentimes it is for our good. So I was just reading in the book Influencers by Joseph Grinney, and he talked about Daniel Gilbert is a psychologist who has spent his entire career basically proving that people are terrible at figuring out what will make them happy or not. We're terrible at figuring out what we will like and what we will dislike. So I, I kind of wanted to look that up and make sure that I wasn't using a source, you know, that somebody else was using or doing it wrong. And so I went to Wikipedia, of course, right? Looked up Daniel Gilbert, and there's this great story about how Daniel Gilbert got started. He was a 19-year-old high school dropout, and he wanted to be a science fiction writer. So he hopped on a local bus, went down to the local community college to sign up for a creative writing class. Got there, all the creative writing classes were filled up. There was only one class that was open. He signed up for it. Psychology. And the rest is history. How many of you have stories like that in your life? Where you're really going for something that you thought was going to be great, and later on you looked back and said, thank you, Lord, for not letting that happen. I'm so much, I'm so much better off where I am, and I never would be here if I had actually made it to there. Ah. <sighs> One of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis and the magician's nephew. You know, because when when God puts a thwarting event in my life, I sometimes start whining. And and this quote was said by the Christ figure to a, a person. Oh, Adam's son, how cleverly you defend yourself against all that might do you good. So our first lesson from Psalm from King David is to hear God's truth In his way, I need to suspend my own opinions. Psalm 33, 6 through 9. Continuing in Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants... The world stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and all the creation stood firm. And This, this message is all over scripture. Job, the last three chapters of Job, is, is just full of this. You really think you've got me figured out? You know, so, so here is that, if God is so powerful and so loving, here's the one thought that saves me over and over and over and over, and, and you take it or leave it, right? So have you ever tried to teach a calculus to a two-year-old? impossible. They can't possibly get it. And calculus to a two-year-old is probably much easier than God trying to explain to me how he created the oceans. So, part of a thwarting event is a really good time to hear the second reminder from the word of God. To have God's power, I must give up my own. That includes that Demand of myself to understand everything. Yeah. Psalm 33, 10 through 12. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Ooh. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The king is not saved by the great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's one I've got memorized. I don't know the reference. Sorry, i look it up sometime. You know, I don't think I'm the only one, but if if I hit an event in life and I am conceivably capable of doing it on my own, I tend to jump in and start doing it on my own. I'm getting better. I've learned more through life to pray quicker, but there are still some times when I jump in on on my own and, and God thwarts it. Think about Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul was doing what he knew to do. I mean, he was going to wipe out this new sect. And all of a sudden, boom, he meets Jesus in this blinding moment and is given the opportunity to spend three days totally blind to completely alter his worldview and mission. For some of us, we're thinking, oh, man, I wish it was only three days. That would be great instead of years. I think there's this third lesson from Psalm. (laughs) To know God's plans, I have to be ready to give up my own and obey him. Yeah, thwarting events give us a great opportunity to go back to school for those reminders that we need over and over and over and over. And we need each other to do those reminders because sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we have a hard time remembering so there's this great passage in Ephesians 3 that Paul wrote while he was sitting in a Roman prison, talk about a thwarting event, and he's writing to the people, his brothers and sisters in Ephesus, who are in one of the most uh, godless societies in the old world, full of thwarting events for somebody trying to desperately to follow Jesus. right? And Paul writes this great prayer that is a powerful tool that we can use for each other. Let me kind of set the stage, and then we're gonna practice this prayer. So 2011, the Joplin tornado ripped through Joplin. A team from Discovery Ministries found ourselves in charge of setting up one of the main donation, receiving, and distribution hubs in the city. It was incredibly challenging. Just organizing the resources was somewhat like trying to take a drink from a fire hydrant using a little Dixie cup, right? We were all just... uh, pushed to the limit of what we thought we could do and then more. So we were utterly dependent on the Lord. I'm going to tell the story of one of us in particular and I'm going to call him Superman. He'll know who he is if he watches this sermon but you don't. So we put Superman in a foyer. On one side of the foyer was a bank of doors where donations were coming in. Semi-load trucks of donation, Trucks, grandma in a car. I mean, donations after donations after donations. Mount donation, all right? And he was, he was supposed to organize that. But on the other side of the foyer was a bank of doors with hundreds of volunteers pouring into the church who we were supposed to get trained instantly and put into the system. The system was in danger of falling apart at all times because it was thrown together in six hours, right? We were just scrambling to keep it going, and we put Superman in the middle of all of that turmoil and chaos, and his challenge was to maintain the plans that we set out regardless of all the forces that we trying to get him to do differently. Have you ever been in a position of authority and everybody around you has a better idea than you? Yeah, so... Superman is a great people person. Life of the party, friendly guy. I mean, he has lots of friends in Joplin because he went to college in Joplin. His friends are coming up to him. Hey, Superman, how are you doing? He had to say, I can't talk to you right now. As a matter of fact, we had two people assigned to Superman just to, one of them to run interference for him and keep people away from him and the other to keep him fed and watered, all right? All right. I mean, it was a pretty intense situation. And he said that every time he had to turn away one of his... I mean, he's a people person, right? Every time he had to turn away one of his friends, it felt like he was getting a punch in the gut, much less dealing with all this conflict. So the system was about to fall apart. We pulled all of the leaders into a room. Superman walked into the room, immediately started crying, got on his knees in the middle of us, and we knew exactly what he wanted because we have practiced with this scripture before. So here's what I'm going to ask right now. I'd like a volunteer to do the courageous thing. Stand up, come up here, sit on this step, and here's exactly what I'm going to do to you, with you. You're going to sit, I'm going to kneel behind you, put my hands on your shoulder, and pray this prayer over you. It'll take about 30 seconds. You just need somebody to do that. Thank you, my friend. Right there, Mr. Darren. And while he's uh, doing that, so the rest of you, he is kind of symbolically all of us up here receiving this prayer from Paul through the ages. All right, And I ask you, as I'm praying this prayer, please don't bow your head and close your eyes. Look at me. It, it's okay. Scripture says to pray at all times, and you can't do that if you're closing your eyes while you're driving, right? So it's okay to look up and pray. We're going to pray. Here we go. This is the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians in the middle of and events. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all comprehension, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. (sighs) Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask, think, or even imagine because of his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Now all God's people said, Amen. That's right. Thanks, brother. We've got to remind each other over and over. And thanks for coming and leading us in worship, which I don't know if you realize the songs that we have been singing preached this sermon before the sermon was preached.